back here tonight for part two of what I started three weeks ago. And uh, actually, when I, I heard Ashton starting off and Joanne, I thought, oh, they're going to preach my message, you know. <laughs> so there's going to be some agreement here with what they were sharing. So um, I wasn't, I guess the idea was I was supposed to come back the following week, but I wasn't able to come back for two weeks. And um, in the meantime, some other people had to step in. And last week, Carolyn did, and she did an awesome job. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I think you had like a couple days notice, Carolyn. Yeah, she did great. <laughs> but, you know, sometimes it's good to have short notice. But I had three weeks. I was sitting on this for three weeks. And you know what happened when you got three weeks? You start thinking about it, and you change it, and you add stuff. <laughs> Okay. Anyways, so I started out with one set of notes. I got a new set, but that's okay. <laughs> so um, for some of you um, who weren't here and some of the folks out there on live stream, I'm just going to do a review of what I talked about three weeks ago, because you might have forgotten. Anyways, that was three weeks ago. But I was looking at what God did for Adam in Genesis 1 and 2, and even into Genesis 3, and what God gave him, what it was like before the fall. And then I was comparing that with, the, in the book of Ephesians, what we now have restored to us in Christ. So I'm just going to kind of review that, and then I'm going to go a little further into some new territory tonight. But in um, Genesis one, two, and three. So these are some of the benefits that God gave to Adam. So Adam was created on the sixth day, which would have been, he was the last of all God's creation. So when he landed on planet Earth, he had everything in place. God had everything ready for him. So everything was provided. Adam didn't have to work for it. He didn't have to earn it. He had everything. And then he was created in the image and likeness of God, which means he, he, he was a spirit being, just like God. And he had the same nature as God, so he was able to have communion and fellowship with God. And God gave him dominion on the earth. And his, his first day on the earth was the seventh day, which was a day of rest. So he began on a day of rest. He started from a place of rest and with having everything provided. And then God put Adam in the garden and he gave him a purpose, a job to do, to tend and keep the garden. And he also gave Adam the fruit of every tree in the garden except one. So God actually gave a prohibition to Adam. He was going to give Adam the opportunity to exercise freedom of choice, to choose what God said, or to choose his own way. And we know what happened. And, and God told him that if you eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will surely die. And so he ate, and the, it wasn't physical death immediately, but spiritual death. And Adam went into a place of fear and condemnation and guilt. He was withdrawing from God and hiding, and he lost that fellowship he had. But all is not lost, because in chapter 3, God, when he was cursing the serpent, also put 
a promise in there for the man. He said that the seed of the woman would crush or bruise the serpent's head. So that put the serpent on notice that something bad was going to happen to him, but something good was going to happen for us. But it took a while, so fast forward now <laughs> to the book of Ephesians. Jesus has come. He's died on the cross for us. He's raised from the dead. He's, he's in heaven, seated at the right hand of the Father. He sent the Holy Spirit. So we were looking at last time what has been restored to us in Christ. Now, in studying the book of Ephesians quite a while ago, he showed me that Ephesians is divided up into three parts, sit, walk, and stand. And I think a lot of people have seen that over the years, but it was something he revealed to me without knowing that he'd revealed it to other people. And some people may look at it differently, but I find that really helps me to understand the book of Ephesians. So the first three chapters, one, two, and three of Ephesians, really are the sit part of the message in Ephesians. And the sitting part really represents our vertical relationship with God. So what has been restored to us? Well, in, again, this is a review, so I'm just going through this quickly. But in chapter 1, we see that we have been blessed with every, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. And I was also looking at the verse in 1 Peter 1, 2, and 3, and he also says that, you know, he, we have been given everything that pertains to life and godliness, but through the knowledge of him. So in Ephesians 1, we see there's a prayer there, and uh, we encourage you to pray that prayer. But one of the things Paul is praying is that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. So we're praying for revelation knowledge of what we have in Christ, who he is, who we are, what we have in him. So it, it doesn't just come to us automatically. We have to seek it, pray for it, but God is more than willing to give us revelation of that. And it goes on to say that we're holy and blameless, we have the adoption as sons. We have a redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. We're accepted in the beloved. We're sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. So we can see that God has already provided everything for us in Christ, just like he provided for Adam. And we can see that we can now have fellowship and communion with God because we are born again. We have the spirit. Our spirit man is made perfect. Our soul needs to be renewed, and our bodies have a future redemption. So for now, now we are free from that fear, guilt, and condemnation that Adam walked in. So we can come to Christ and our Father God with boldness. In, in Ephesians 3.12, I think, let's see, it says, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. Wow. So we have that restored fellowship. Now, the sit part of these chapters is only, the word sit is only found twice, but it's found 
in Ephesians 1, and it's in that prayer, and it speaks of Jesus. So it says that um, he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion, and every name that is named not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So we see Jesus raised up and seated in a place of authority. Now, if we go to Ephesians 2, and I believe it's verse 6, it says, well, let's start at verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up together, and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So since we are in this place with Christ, we are also sharing in his authority that he has. So we've, we have restored authority. And then at the um, chapter, or verse 10, I'm sorry, verse 10, just a little lower, it says, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So we now also have a purpose and a job, just like Adam did. We have these good works, but we have to discover them. And so let's go on now. I, I started this last time, and I didn't get too far, because I knew I had to save something for part two. So we'll, we'll say this is part two. So we're going to go into the walk part of Ephesians. So now we already have everything in Christ. We're going to walk it out. Ephesians 4, 1 to 6. This is kind of going along with what Ashton and uh, Joanne were talking about. It says, uh, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. There's, there's the walk. With all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So we see that we're called to really, we're called to walk in love, in the fruit of the Spirit. And Paul is especially emphasizing lowliness, gentleness, long-suffering, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. That's sort of the end goal. And in order to do that, you know, unity is so important. <laughs> and we do have to adopt that attitude that we have to walk in lowliness and gentle and long-suffering and bearing with one another. And I think last time I mentioned this, it's really important to guard against offense and um, strife and contention because that, that can happen so easily. You know, even this week, of course, you get tested in what you're studying on. And I, I had a couple opportunities. Some people said things and did things, and, you know, immediately something in me got a little upset, you know? That, what do they mean by that, you know? And 
I just had to step back and say, no, <laughs> do not take the bait. And um, just let it go. It, half the time, most of the time, when things seem to offend us, it's not even anything real. We just think it is. We don't even understand people's motives. And uh, so we, we assume they mean one thing when they didn't mean that at all. So it's so important to just let things go, to forgive and move on, because the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace is so important. And I just want to stop here and read the word that Pastor Gary gave us a couple weeks ago, after I have a drink of water. I'm just going to read this. Get ready to pass over, says the Lord, from what has been to what shall be. This past year has been preparing you by my word, preparing the church for this passing over, a releasing and a letting go, an exodus of that which has been good in me to something greater in me. You're going to know what to do. Keep your eyes fixed on the straightaway, not on anyone else's in the race or on any distractions. You have been prepared and ready by my spirit, groomed and trained for the final stretch. Yes, the home stretch, Hebrews 12, 1 says, you are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses cheering you on. So keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, the pioneer and protector of your faith, for the joy that was set before him, endured hardship, and is now one of the ones cheering you on to win, fixing your eyes on the finishing line, the prize on me, getting ready for you, your church and your ministry to pass over into the winner's circle by the broken body and shed blood of Jesus, says the Spirit of the Lord, the Spirit of grace. Now, there's probably a lot there, but one of the things that struck me as I was preparing this message again, um, you can take that as, as an individual, but we also are taking it as a church. We're passing over, we're moving on together, and again, this is where keeping that spirit, of that unity and the spirit of the bond of peace is so important. If we're going to move forward, we got to do it in unity and, and really watch those opportunities we have to be offended or get in strife. Now, I'm not going to look at every verse, but um, I'm just going to go over some of them the next group of verses I want to look at is Ephesians 4, 7 to 16. And here Paul is talking about some, some of the gifts we have in the church. I'm just going to start at verse 11. It says, and he, that would be Jesus himself, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and teachers. So some, not everybody is in that category, but some are, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love, may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share, 
causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. So I just want to break that down a little bit and say that it's important. The body of Christ is so important. That unity is so important because when we're here, we are going to be exposed to these ministries. Now, I don't know that we've got all five of them operating in the church, but we certainly have pastors and teachers. Maybe we do have some apostles, prophets, and evangelists here. But even if we don't see them every week, sometimes our pastors will bring people with these gifts into the church to minister to us. So we we do need them because they are for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. So if we're going to know how to walk, what we're to walk in, what we're to do, we need each other, we help each other to discern what those things are. And one portion of scripture that really helps me out with this, if you're thinking, oh, I I don't know what I'm supposed to do, I don't know what my giftings are, um, I would just say let's have a look in Romans 12. I know it's a portion of scripture we look at a lot, but Romans 12 and verses 1 and 2 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will. So a couple things here, Paul is saying, give yourself to God as a living sacrifice, and then... Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So renewing our minds to the truth of the word of God and giving ourselves to God, we're going to find the will of God. We're going to find that good, acceptable, and perfect will. And and further on in the chapter, we find seven gifts that are mentioned. Some people call them motivational gifts. And... It says, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching. He who exhorts in exhortation. He who gives with liberality. He who leads with diligence. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. So probably every one of us can find ourselves somewhere in that list. And if you're not sure, well, ask God to show you, and he'll show you. And, you know, when you think about it, I I look at people here, and I can see those gifts operating in your lives. And I remember, um, oh, years ago, I was up for prayer, and Pastor Gary said to me, when are you going to teach? And I thought, what? What? Where did that come from? You know, it was just totally foreign to me that I would teach. I mean, I had taught Sunday school, but and I learned a lot teaching Sunday school too, but teaching to me was just this amazing ministry, and I really admired people who could teach the Word. But, you know, he, he saw something maybe that I didn't see at that time, and this is where these giftings in the body of Christ, like a prophet or a pastor, prophet, evangelist, whatever, they can speak things into your life that will help you discover what you're supposed to be doing, as well as your own relationship with God. So that was really helpful to me, and and here I am doing some teaching now. So there you go. (laughs) 
Although at the time I thought, how could I ever do that? But God is faithful. And he didn't make me teach right away either. It was a few years before he ever asked me to teach anything. So let's move on in Ephesians. Ephesians 4, I'm just going to look at the next portion here. Ephesians 4, 17 to 24. We're talking about the word walk. And here he's actually telling us how we should not walk. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God, because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their hearts, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness, to work all uncleanness and greediness. But you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off, we're being told to put off our former conduct, the old man which is dead, and to be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man which was created in God in true righteousness and holiness. So I really don't want to spend a whole lot of time in Ephesians. I know Paul talks about what we shouldn't be doing, but I really want to talk about what we should be doing. And so he is telling us here again to be renewed in the spirit of our minds. So that's something that we do to discover our callings, our gifts. And what I see working together with the gifts here is the fruit as well. We don't just do something, but we do it in the fruit of the Spirit, basically the love of God. And um, my sister and I were taking some courses right now, and I remember one of the teachers, he was teaching on the gifts and the fruits of the Holy Spirit. And he, um, he said something that just caught my imagination. He, he reminded us of the high priest's garment, in the Old Testament, that had bells and pomegranates on the hem. And he said, that's what the fruit and the gifts are like. The fruit, I guess, being the pomegranate, and the bells are like the gifts. They work together. You have to have them together. You can't have one without the other. I thought that was kind of a nice word picture. I, I, I can see that. We could just walk along tinkling and... <laughs> Maybe you don't want to think about it that way, but I, I like that. <laughs> so put on the new man, a created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. And we know that we have already been made righteous and holy. In 1 Corinthians 1, verse 30, it says that Christ has been made unto us wisdom from God, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. But now we're going to walk in it. We've got it in us, now we're going to walk it out. Moving on to the next few verses, Ephesians 4, 25 to 32. There, again, there's a lot of what not to do, and I'm not going to really get into a lot of that, but I did want to emphasize Verse 31, let all bitterness, wrath, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, 
even as God in Christ forgave you. So it's so important that we're walking in that forgiveness and that tenderheartedness towards one another. And then we won't be offended very easily. Now, moving on to chapter 5, we're we're still walking in chapter 5. And Ephesians 5, 1 and 2, this is the royal law. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also loved us and gave himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. So here it is, we're to walk in love, but it's a very sacrificial love. Um, I think I read this last time, but I'm going to read it again. It was somebody, somebody's definition of agape love. It says, giving myself up subordinating, even abandoning my own desires for another's. It actually means preferring another's well-being over our own. So that, that's a tall order, but God helps us with that. We have the Holy Spirit, and that's something to aim for. In Ephesians 5, 8 to 14... We're told to walk in the light. He said, for once you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. And he goes on to say what that means. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. So that's what we're doing. We're finding out what is acceptable to God. We're walking in the fruit of the Spirit and the love of God. And now Ephesians 5, 15 to 21. It says, verse 15, See that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So we're to walk in wisdom, to discern the times, to redeem the times, and, and, and to live diligently and almost watchfully. And to understand what the will of the Lord is, there, there it is again. We're, we're seeking God for his will, and he's faithful to reveal it to us. And then he says, do not be drunk with wine, which is in dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Now, the, the other day, I think in our devotions, um, Vicki Burke said this about this uh, portion of being filled with the Spirit and singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord. She said, speaking to one another about works of God will cause everyone who hears to be encouraged and strengthened. This build one another. This builds one another up in the Word. This type of fellowship is vitally important among believers. So we see again how important it is for us to come together and encourage one another with the gifts that we have. And that's what we're doing tonight. <laughs> now, the, I'm not going to go into any detail on the rest of Ephesians 5. He's talking about, he does go on to say, give thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. That is very important to always be thankful every day, practice thankfulness. I think we know that. 
and submitting to one another in the fear of God. That is also so important. We, there's always people we need to be submissive, submissive to. And that, that is, um, it, it's for our protection, really, to know who to submit to and when to submit. And it also is an example of our humility before one another and respecting and honoring one another. So he does go on to talk about some examples of authority in, and submission in uh, chapter 5, the husband and wife, and then into chapter 6, parents and children, and also masters and servants. So I'm not going to go into that, but I'm just going to head on into the last part of chapter 6, which is the stand part. Finally, we're getting to the stand. <laughs> and I'm, th this is really on the armor of God. And my purpose here is not to really teach on the armor of God. I'm not really prepared to do that, but a lot of people have done a great job. If you've ever taken the course here, Standing in the Armor, I took that once a long time ago. That is a great course, and it's Rick Rennard's book, Standing in the Armor. That's an awesome book to read if you want to learn about the armor of God. But one of the things, when I took the course, you know, it's a lot of information to take in, but I, one of my takeaways from it was that every piece of the armor is based on the Word of God in some way. And I was thinking as I was preparing this message that if we are sitting in the finished work of Christ, and if we are walking in, in our gifting and the will of God and the fruit of the Spirit and the love of God, then we really are going to have the armor on. You probably will already have the armor on if you're doing that. But one of the things that it is important that I wanted to point out here, he says um, in verse 10, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not fret, wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. So we were reading earlier that we are already seated with Christ in the heavenly places, who is above all of these wicked evil hosts. But it's important that we understand the wiles or the schemes of the devil. And um, one of the ways these are described as cunning arts, deceit, trickery, craft, we need to be able to discern them. And we were reading earlier in, I think it was Ephesians 4, that these gifts that we have in the body of Christ help to help us to find our work and our ministry in the body of Christ, but they also help us to mature and grow up so that we can discern the deceitfulness of Satan and his plots. So we need to understand how he comes at us. And we know that basically he's a liar. He, he, that's how we got Adam and Eve in the, in the garden. <laughs> and he also is an accuser. But knowing what we know now about who we are in Christ, he really can't accuse us because we can come back at him and say, you know, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm loved by God. I'm a child of God. Don't pull that stuff on me, devil. <laughs> and as we say, even when I'm wrong, I'm right. I'm always the righteousness of God in Christ. 
So, because our salvation is secure in Christ. And I don't think anybody here is going to walk away from that. So, we need to be aware of what his devices are and have the armor on. I'll just go through it here. He's saying, stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. So that is our armor. And again, I, if you're doing, I think, uh, the sit and the walk part, you're probably going to be in your armor anyways. And Paul, he, at the very end, he says something that I, I just love the way he puts this. He's just signing off to the people in Ephesians, and he says, Peace to the brethren and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. Amen. And you know, that, that is such a, a gracious and beautiful um, salutation in a way. It's, there's nothing harsh or cruel or mean in that at all. You know, and that's, he's reflecting the heart of God towards us. So it should be easy to walk with God, right? He, he loves us. He's good to us. We just need to know that. And that's why it's so good to understand a book like Ephesians and see that we've had all these blessings restored to us in Christ so that we can walk confidently in the plan and purpose that he has for our lives. We hope this message has encouraged you in your relationship with the Lord. For more information and ministry resources, we invite you to visit our website at www.newcovenantchurch.ca. We look forward to you joining us next time as we continue to live victoriously.